Our Bible this morning is from uh, Bible reading is from Hosea chapter one verses two to ten. So uh, Hosea's wife and children. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, "Go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness." because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Goma, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Ruhamah, for I will no longer show love to the house of Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword or battle, or by horse and horsemen, but by the Lord their God. After she had weaned Lo-Ru-Amar, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Ami. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. So, you're the boss. You can set the agenda. You can have whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can make the rules. Everyone else has to fall into line and serve you. Sound good? Not sure? As king of the land, David had all power and authority and pride in such a position could easily corrupt. The pursuit of selfish desires could very easily be paramount in his thinking. I can have what I want. I can do what I like. Everybody has to fall into line and do exactly what I say. Who wouldn't want to be king or queen, hey? You know something's coming. (laughs) As we continue with our overview of the Old Testament, we jump from King David to the prophet Hosea. Unlike King David, as he was confronted by his sin, where he immediately sought the mercy and the forgiveness of the Lord, and we were thinking about that last week, how David 
did just that, sought the mercy of the Lord. Unlike him, the Hebrew people of the northern kingdom, when confronted by the prophets, they make little effort to repent, to change their ways, to turn back to God. And so the average Hebrew in the northern kingdom, as we're looking at Hosea, the average Hebrew wanted to set their own rules. They wanted what they desired. They wanted to do whatever pleased them. In some ways, not unlike most of us, who of us live for others first? We often just live for ourselves first, don't we? Still today, God continues to do as he has always done. He speaks to us and he calls us. And he calls us to live for him, to honour him, to be faithful to him. He longs that we be faithful to him. He is the holy God, he is the just God, and he warns that judgment is coming. But he always gives the opportunity to get right with him, to repent and to seek his forgiveness. There is always grace amid judgment. And we see this with Hosea and with the other prophets. God issues warnings of coming judgment with the hope that the people will return back to him, will come back to him. He warns them time and time again, come back. There's judgment coming. As we look at Hosea chapter 1, God allows Hosea as a prophet to the northern, or calls him to the northern kingdom at the close of the reign of their final powerful king. It's King Jeroboam II. And Hosea pleads with the people for 40 years that they would turn back to God. He pleads for 40 years until finally Israel is taken into exile to Assyria in 722 BC. And so this, this little book is spanning a period of around 40 years. Over those years, Hosea would periodically speak up. He was not always speaking, but he would periodically speak up and he would call the people to listen to God, turn back to God. And over the years, the Lord has spoken to you, hasn't he? Have you listened? Have you paid attention? Or have you let his message slowly fade? as the weeks go by. We begin at verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And so he married Goma, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So God calls Hosea to marry a promiscuous woman. In other translations of the Bible, calls her an adulterous woman and even a prostitute. She's not the first woman on your dance card. Her previous lifestyle would make you question, how faithful will she be to me? 
If you were Hosea, wouldn't you be questioning God? Did I hear you right? Is that your voice, God? You're asking me to marry a prostitute, an adulterous woman? That seems totally out of character. You really want me to marry Goma? But as a prophet of the Lord, he knew the voice of God. And he responds. But he responds with an understanding that his marriage will be a metaphor for the relationship between God and the Hebrew people. That his wife would be a visual representation of the nation. An adulterous people. Guilty of being unfaithful to God. And that his love to Goma would illustrate God's love for his people. But what a hard row to hoe for Hosea. I can only imagine how this grieved his heart as he longed for faithfulness from his wife. But it must have been this understanding that God has called for his faithfulness in an attempt to draw the nation back to himself that kept him so steadfast in his marriage. Now, some people look at their lives and as they recount all of their troubled times, the hard row that they've had to, to row, to hoe, and maybe that's where you're at. You look back and you're thinking about all of the troubles, the troubled life that you've had. You wonder why, assuming that the onset of trouble is in some way God's punishment for something, We all expect God to bless us without qualification or reservation. He should just bless us, make everything right and everything good. But for Hosea, his troubles, they're not a form of punishment, but rather for the benefit of those around him. Now, there's a thought. They get to see a faithful man living faithfully for his God and his wife and children. When life is tough for you, are you going to remain faithful to the Lord and those around you? And are you aware that your faithfulness encourages others to be faithful too? And so I wonder, as the years went by, how did the faithfulness of Hosea speak to the people? Were they listening? And so Goma has their first child, verse 4. Then the Lord says to, said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer had conceived, had a son, and the Lord says to Hosea, call him Jezreel. Jezreel was the place where the present dynasty, the leading king, the dynasty had conducted a gory massacre that led to their current reign. 
God had called for this battle, but not by means of bloodshed upon bloodshed. Cruelty, violence, malice in their hearts. God says, call him Jezreel, for I will put an end to this kingdom. I will break Israel. The birth of a son and the first child to be a son should have been a time of great celebration. Let's rejoice, let's celebrate. Now again, I wonder how did the people respond when they asked Hosea, why did you call your son Jezreel? And they're told. God said, call him Jezreel because they knew that what God was calling them to repentance. And remember too that Jezreel doesn't remain a baby. Jezreel grows up and day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, they see Jezreel and they're reminded. Jezreel, God was calling us to repentance. That's why he has that name. They're continuing to be reminded of God's warning. Verse 6, Goma conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo-Ruhumah, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, that's the southern kingdom. And I will save them, not by bow, sword or battle or by horses or horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. So Goma has a daughter, Hosea is directed to give her the name not pitied or not loved. How did Lo-Ruhumah feel about that as she grew up? Would you like the name not loved? I don't think so. And how did Goma, how did Mum feel about that? Did she resent Hosea for calling her daughter not loved? Probably. But once again, God has a much bigger picture in mind than just this little family. God has a much bigger picture than just your little family. This child's name is drawing attention to the position that kingdom of Israel had placed themselves in. The Lord was trying to convey that he had removed his compassion and his mercy from the northern kingdom. And his reference to the, the southern kingdom, to Judah, that he would continue to love them, should have excited them to repentance. Well, if he's going to continue to love them, we need to repent. But there's no hope for the blatantly unrepentant. Our only hope is to appeal to the mercy of God as we turn to him. Verse 8, after she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Goma had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. For you are not my people and I am not your God. 
Lo ami, which means not my people. Back in Exodus 3, God had declared, I will be with you, I will be your God, and you will be my people. It's at this particular point that Goma, his wife, leaves Hosea. And how this must have grieved Hosea. He had loved his wife. He had been over backwards to provide for her, to love and protect her. He had been faithful to her. Still she left and she went back to her former lifestyle. She was now a slave to another man. I want to jump for a moment to Hosea chapter 3. And God instructs Hosea to once again take Goma back. But this time he is to pay the price for her ransom. Verse 1 of chapter 3. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. She's still his wife. Though she is loved by another man and and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way toward you. If you were a neighbour to Hosea, having having seen what goes on, How accepting of his message would you be? If all of a sudden your neighbour decided to marry the town prostitute and claimed that God had told him to do it, would you listen to what he had to say? I doubt it, at least initially. You'd question, did God really tell you to marry Gomer? That just seems so out of character. Surely not. But perhaps after some time, after some years, you might begin to appreciate his faithfulness to his wife. It was anything but faithful to him. But then again, perhaps the neighbours just saw Hosea as a bit of a fruit loop. Fancy giving kids those names. Really? He's a crackpot. And taking, taking Goma back as his wife again, he's asking for trouble. Unfortunately, the people of the northern kingdom, they do not take Hosea seriously. They do not heed the warnings. They do not see his love for Goma as a demonstration of God's love for them. They refuse to care that God no longer loved them. He'd said, you're not loved, you're not my people. Nor do they see him as their God, so they do not repent. And at the close of 40 years, Assyria invades and takes the people into exile. God had warned of imminent judgment. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how their marriage panned out. 
But we'd like to think that Gomer accepted Hosea's merciful forgiveness and sought to repay him with the same of love and faithfulness. What we do know is that God's love for people is relentless. God's love for you is relentless. As I was reminded earlier this week, God sends no one to hell, they send themselves. They make their own choice. God, however, does all that he can to redeem us, to save us, to call us to himself. So we'll go back to verse 10 in chapter 1. Because although Hosea has been called to to name his three kids in such a way, we get to verse 10. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and they will and will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Chapter 2 begins, Save your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. And the last verse of chapter 2 concludes, I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Although judgment is imminent, God reaches out to his people, there is always grace amid judgment. He is calling his people back to himself. Through the prophet Hosea, God shows us that his love for his people remains steadfast and unwavering. God's love for us is so great that he was willing to send his only son, Jesus, to die for our sin. Despite our sins, our failures and our unfaithfulness, God continues to love us and to provide for us, to protect us. He does not abandon us. He loves us, promises to be with us always. He seeks us out and has redeemed us from our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has paid the ransom, paid the price, thereby restores us that we are children of the living God, sons and daughters of the living God. That is amazing. That is, for the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Trust that you believe in him. We are his people and he is our God. We've come to worship him, to praise him, to pray to him, to hear his voice and to to respond to him this morning. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. We are his people and he is our God. If we are his people and he is our God, then we will hear his voice and we will live for him. We'll be determined to live for him. He's the boss. He's the one who sets the agenda. And it's our privilege to live for him, to honour him with the way that we live. So we're going to stand and sing as we close our service together.
And this song has been referred to already. And I trust that you too do as this song says. Again, remember, you're singing this to the Lord. <laughs> 